When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. Half the players on the championship team, nearly half have been 30-year-olds. We've yet to coach one, not one, in our time. So what we've done with a young roster during our time in the regular season is almost unprecedented. The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers. The Her Hoop Stats Podcast. Here's your host, John Little. Welcome in to the Her Hoop Stats Podcast as we keep the momentum rolling this week. Already our third release just this week. I'm your host, John Little. Great to have you along, and I hope you've enjoyed our other releases this week, including on Monday, talking to Sidney Weiss, the guard for the L.A. Sparks, and Eli Horowitz, the Sparks PR guy as well. And that episode has received some great pub. People have really loved that conversation, or those conversations, I should say. Uh, So we appreciate the feedback. And also, Jen Hatfield, along with Megan Gower, put together a nice edition of the Unplugged podcast that went out yesterday. So just week after week, we're giving you this great content. And today, we've got Kurt Miller on the program, the head coach of the Connecticut Sun. Now, why are we releasing this on a Friday? Well, got a chance to talk to Coach Miller yesterday, and just in chatting with him, it became eagerly apparent to me that this is the biggest stretch of their season that they're going into right now. It is so big for them to try to get that top two spot, and we talked so much about their three-game stretch over the next couple days that I was like, I can't I can't hold this until Monday. So this is Monday's podcast, if you will, just a couple days early. And especially for you Connecticut Sun fans, it's uh, going to get you pumped for this huge 
three-game in five-day stretch, which starts today. So Kurt Miller, longtime college basketball coach on the women's side, the head coach of Bowling Green for a long time, moved on to Indiana, and then after taking a year off, moved into the WNBA ranks as an assistant coach for the LA Sparks before moving on to become the head coach of the Connecticut Sun. And they have seen a huge turnaround under Coach Miller over the last four seasons. And now, even though they haven't won a first-round playoff game over the last couple years, they're in a great spot to get that double bye in the opening round and all the way through to the semifinals and then see what they can do from there. But they've learned a lot over the last few years. They're poised to strike, and it's a really interesting chat with Coach Miller. So without further ado, the head coach of the Connecticut Sun, Kurt Miller. Thanks, John. Good to be with you. Well, Coach, we are catching you at such a pivotal time for your team. You've got these three games in five days, and it starts with the game against the Las Vegas Aces, and really all of these games over these next couple of days are so huge for your team as you try to solidify yourself as a top-two team in the WNBA regular season. What are your key focuses as you try to be your best over these last few games of this year? Yeah, this is a, a difficult stretch. We have just completed a five-game and ten-day stretch. Uh, we was able to take a deep breath, get a couple days off, and then get back to work. And, and leading up into this next difficult three-game stretch and, and four in an eight-day stretch, uh, we've got to do the little things. We've got to get back to work on fundamentals. We've got to concentrate uh, on um, – aspects that aren't big picture but maybe more small picture uh for example we got vegas uh, in a very big rubber match we split our season series to date um they're a half a game behind us in the standings for second place we're you know we're a game and a game and a half respectively behind washington for first place so a lot on the line we know what the top two seeds means in the wnba playoffs with the double bye so a huge matchup, um, and again, the rubber match winner uh, will hold the tiebreaker in, in a close stretch down uh, the stretch of the season. We know how much that means. But in Vegas in particular, uh, we felt in the second game when we lost, something as simple as screening was the difference in how successfully and physically they screened us and where we did not have a great screening night. So emphasizing little things uh, as simple as that. Obviously, no, they have Asia Wilson back. She did not play in the last game, so we're going to get them at full strength. And then we turn around and have a quick turnaround and fly all the way to the West Coast and play um, L.A. with very little prep. And they're finally at full strength themselves. They, ha- they will go into this weekend for the first time with a 12-man roster. So um, we know, you know, very, very important games. Both games are rubber matches. Both games, the series is tied 1-1. So those tiebreakers are very important. So we can't get overwhelmed uh, with the big picture, John. We've got to continue to do the little things that would allow us to be successful. Well, now in your fourth year as a head coach, is there anything that you've picked up from your time in the WNBA and really over the last five years when you count your assistant season with the L.A. Sparks? Is there anything that you've picked up? as far as the best way to handle this accelerated part of the season right after the All-Star break where all the games get packed in and they're so big. How have you adjusted your focus with your team over the years for these important stretches? 
Absolutely. I was mentored when I got into the league by Brian Agler, and, and it wasn't a term five years ago, but load management has now become such a popular term between the NBA and WNBA, and, and it's a big thing. It's, it's rest and recovery. Uh, what can you do to have your players ready on game night? And sometimes we sacrifice um, practice. Uh, we sacrifice um, a lot of uh, what you would call game uh, speed and game intensity uh, just to keep them ready for games. And, and it's always a fine line as a coach trying to find that balance. Are we staying sharp enough because we aren't uh, practicing duration-wise or intensity-wise uh, what it's like in the game? But uh, load management is so important. We become quickly the banged-up team. Uh, we'll go into the games this weekend only with nine healthy bodies, and I, I say that um, – you know, very, very um, skeptically because even the nine players that we have available for the game, uh, we are we are less than healthy. So all of a sudden we become the banged-up team uh, and, and with knick-knacky injuries and, and things that, that we are certainly not at full strength. So trying to get them as much rest and recovery as possible to perform on game nights is, is the key. But at times you sacrifice it because – you don't practice that duration or intensity that you may want to or need to. But uh, that's what we're trying to balance out without losing some of our crispness. And this has been a unique year for you guys because you're the only team in the WNBA to rely on the same starting five in every game this season. That is rare. It takes some real toughness by those players in the starting lineup. It takes uh, some luck along the way as well. Uh, it makes me wonder, is that necessarily intentional or basically something you've fallen into that you guys have been able to use the, sta- the same starting lineup in every single game this year? Yeah, we've been very fortunate. Um, we've obviously had more significant injuries with our uh, bench players and a season-ending injury to what we believe is arguably the best backup point guard in the league and Lasia Claridon, a former all-star point guard could easily start on numerous teams in the league. So, um, and now, you know, it's an uncanny situation that we have two other point guards out for this weekend in Natisha Heideman, our rookie and Rachel Bantam, who's a combo guard for us, but can play point guard. We will have three point guards essentially uh, not in uniform this weekend. So, um, you know, difficult situation for us, but, you know, very fortunate that our starting lineup has been able to, um, you know, play every single game. That doesn't mean that they haven't played through injuries or toughed it out when they weren't 100%. We've certainly had some uh, sketchy moments where we didn't know if a couple of those uh, five starters could go, but they've always answered the call on game night. So uh, no one's going to feel sorry for us with our injuries off the bench because there's so many season-ending injuries and stars not playing in the league this year. Uh, But that's not to say that our five starters haven't had their own battles with injuries and and things that they've played through. And one of those starters, all-star John Quell Jones, averaging 14 and 10. There may be no more versatile player in the league right now. And I think you can say with great certainty that there's nobody truly like her in the league right now with her ability to play outside and in both sides of the floor. uh, She's really had an incredible season and she's a great talent for so young in her career. Do you feel an extra pressure or charge 
to get the most out of her over these next few years when she's at her most impressionable early in her career? Yeah, you know, just it's such a pleasure and honor to coach JJ uh, on top of being a one of the elite players in the league. She's a great person. Um, you know, we've asked of her to take next steps every year in the off season. This year, we asked her to take um, the next step defensively. She went from a very average rim protector as a center in this league to, with seven games to go in the regular seating, lead the league in block shots. And so. Uh, just an unbelievable season for her that way and has given us a rim protection that we haven't had in the past. Continues to be one of the dominant defensive rebounders in the league. So has really anchored the paint for us defensively between defensive rebounding and rim protection with block shots. But what is so unique about her is at the offensive end that clearly one of the you know premier shooting post players in the league and you can run a lot of fun things and invert her and have her on the perimeter – but, John, you know, she's not shooting the ball quite the way she's capable of shooting it, but we're going to keep putting her in those situations. She has confidence out there. We have confidence in her. But the next step for her is as more and more bodies are sent to her, scoring in traffic, playing through double teams uh, it is the next step. And, and where some players don't need a lot of help getting catches, the grinders, the fouls, uh, the Liz campaigns down low, you know, we use more back screens and cross screens and screening action to get her low post catches. Um, and she's very, very capable with her back to the basket and only growing every year. But uh, she's just touched the, you know, the tip of the iceberg. Uh, she, she's only going to continue to get better, stronger, uh, smarter. Uh, so the, the future is so bright for her. Uh, but for us to achieve some of the goals this year, uh, a, a lot will be placed on her shoulders uh, these last few weeks of the regular season and then certainly into the playoffs. We are visiting with Kurt Miller, the head coach of the Connecticut Sun, here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. And in the recent ESPN article that was written about your team and the season you're having and this final stretch that's so big, you talked about the vision that you had back in 2016 when you took over, that it's starting to come to fruition. Can you delve a little bit more into that? What do you mean by that? What were the specific parts of that vision that are coming true right now? Yeah, you know, I, I again, truly believe um, that a lot of credit goes to the front office, um, supporting my vision of building with a core group um, and let them grow together and play together. Um, when I got here, the longest tenured player uh, in, in Connecticut at the time was Kelly Ferris, uh, who's no longer in the league. Uh, the most decorated player coming off the 2015 season was all-star Kelsey Bone. She's no longer in the league. And so it, it, it's amazing to, it, to see how far we've come. After a 3-13 and 13 start in 2016, so from the midway point in 2016 to now, no one, no one, I repeat, no one has won more regular season games than us. I don't think that is truly recognized. Since the start of 2017, Washington and us have, have equal amount of regular season wins, uh, the most of any team in the league. And so it's amazing what we've been able to accomplish uh, with a team that's yet to have a 30-year-old during my tenure. Uh, Jasmine Thomas will turn 30 before the end of this season but we have yet to coach a 30 year old and when you look at the last four champions in the WNBA the average number of 30 plus year olds on rosters of these last four championship teams has been five 
nearly half the half the teams, half the players on the championship teams, nearly half have been 30-year-olds. We've yet to coach one, not one in our time. So what we've done with a young roster during our time in the regular season is is almost unprecedented, and, uh, you know, I'm very proud of it. But ultimately, at this level, um, you are judged by playoff success. And our two um, back-to-back second-round exits before we've got into a series, into a semifinals or finals, have been disappointing. Now, it's against very, very talented Phoenix teams two years in a row, uh, against a, a team that arguably has two of the best players ever in their positions, and we've come up a little bit short. So, you know, the challenge for us is to embrace that. The challenge for us is to not fear another one and done. Ultimately, you're going to be in a series and an elimination game, or you're going to be in one and done again. And we don't fear that. Uh, we've come up short. We're proud of our regular season success, but we all know ultimately at this level, the pro level, you're judged on playoff success. And that's the next, um, you know, step for us in order to conquer. And it's wide open this year. I think this is a year an eight seed could win a championship as easy as the number one seed. So um, the playoffs are going to be, you know, crazy competitive and wouldn't be surprised if shocking things happen. Um, And uh, we're just going to continue to work hard these last few weeks of the regular season to prepare for the playoffs no matter where we end up in the seating um, and, uh, and look forward to embracing that challenge. And I know our players are, um, you know, very excited about the challenge of the playoffs again. Uh, we're one win away from the first time in franchise history to have three consecutive 20-plus win seasons. And so, again, we, we, we're successful, uh, but ultimately we'll be judged by the playoffs. And Coach Miller, along those lines, kind of speaking of the relative youth of your team, you made a trading youth away for veteran move at the trade deadline when you went out and got Teresa Plaisance, getting her in the deal for Christine Inigwe. What was behind that and how difficult of a decision was that when you consider the raw talent of Christine Inigwe? Yeah, certainly a very difficult um, decision and he made even more difficult because I wear the dual hat of head coach and GM. Um, the head coach in me, um, you know, knows that there's a small window and you have to try to win when you can and bring in a young veteran like Teresa um, that uh, offensively gives us more floor spacing, gives us a little bit more pop off the bench offensively. Uh, with something really intriguing as we head to the playoffs. She's had a decent year um, and in moments has guarded some of the dominant post players in the league well this year for Dallas. At the same time, the GM in me knows uh, nothing has changed about our belief in Christina Nigway's future in this league. She's an uh, unbelievable athlete. Uh, she's got a physicality that you don't see in young post players around this league often. And I think her best days are ahead of her. Uh, but, you know, that is down the road. Uh, that is certainly down the road. And, and uh, the GM side of me, you know, was hard, hard to make that trade because we know somewhere down the line that Christine has a chance to be special in this league. It just is down the line. It's not going to happen this year, maybe not even next year. Um, so it was, you know, a tug and pull. Uh, we, before we even had a Nigway, 
we have been in discussions with Dallas for three straight seasons uh, about Teresa. They know of our interest. Um, I've tried to uh, acquire her in the past when we just never were able to get to the finish line. And this year, uh, the timing made sense on where Dallas was in their building process and where we were to try to um, improve uh, just a little bit as we head into the playoffs um, and uh, maybe give us a spark off the bench that could truly be a difference in a big game. And speaking of Teresa, I know one of the best parts of her game is what she brings off the floor. And you being so big into locker room environment, especially early on in your career there at Connecticut, talking about locker room environment, did that make it easier for you to pull the trigger on the trade because you knew what a great teammate Teresa Plaisance would be based on her time in Dallas, what she's done with the community, and and what a good locker room influence that she's been in her career? Without question. You know, culture is such a big thing uh, to me at the collegiate level for my 24 years. It's a big thing at the pro level. Uh, She is well-respected around the league um, as a great teammate. Uh, She's well-respected as a great person. She's instantly connected with our team, uh, you know, and so that, that was a piece that, you know, was also very intriguing to us and someone that could handle playing behind someone like John Quell Jones. Um, it is not easy for rookies who have had uh, unbelievable success at the collegiate level to come in and the rookies that have to bide their time. It's never easy in this league uh, for rookies to, you know, for probably for the first time in their careers, have to wait their turn and uh, while Teresa started nearly half the games in Dallas uh, she's also been a a career professional backup center and someone that understands that role and so another piece of the puzzle that we said you know those nights where she only gets four to eight minutes instead of 10 to 15 minutes off the bench she's going to handle as a true professional and I don't think you can undervalue that. Of course, you made that trade with Dallas. Brian Agler is their head coach. And back when you were trying to get back into the basketball arena, following your 24 years as a coach at the collegiate level, you took a year off. Your family situation was involved there. Certainly something any of us would have done to to take a step back, uh, to make sure to take care of business with our family. But after that point, you make the jump to the L.A. Sparks as an assistant coach. How did the relationship with Brian Agler there in L.A., how did that help reinvigorate and reignite your career? Yeah, it was unbelievable. I mean, Brian Agler has the biggest heart. And one of the things that probably has not been written about, he has a passion of giving coaches a second chance. Um, he also um, left the collegiate game period, you know, um, prematurely and, you know, had a situation where he had to walk away from the collegiate game. And so he is very passionate about coaches and giving them a second chance. And you look at a lot of people that he hires, it's, it's second chances. And I was coaching his daughter. We had a long-established relationship with him in the off-seasons being in Ohio. He would come and watch our Bowling Greens practice and prepare uh, and then got to know him even more through the recruiting process of his daughter, first to Bowling Green, and then before the end of her high school career, I ended up in Indiana. And we were the only Power Five uh, school that really, really 
targeted Taylor as someone to help turn around the Indiana program. So our relationship uh, was very strong. He watched me, uh, that whole um, Taylor, Agler's whole uh, freshman year at Indiana. Uh, They moved to Indiana and Bloomington and were around the program a lot. He saw my family situation, respected what was going on, understood that there was other um, aspects to the resignation in Indiana. And I can't thank him enough as the discussion started about joining the WNBA and more importantly, giving my second chance uh, to stay in a profession that had meant so much to me. So it, it was an unbelievable opportunity to walk in there with NECA and Candace Parker and Christy Tolliver, not only to work under Brian, but work with some of the great veterans in this league, some of the great players um, that this league has as my first experience. And uh, I never thought, uh, my mind didn't even wrap around becoming a WNBA head coach, uh, but that that one year of mentoring by Brian and the opportunity came about, and, uh, and lo and behold, I was a, a head coach. But you can trace that all back to Brian giving me a second chance and then mentoring me in, during that first season that prepared me for this opportunity. Kurt Miller, the head coach of the Connecticut Sun, is with us here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. And Coach Miller, a lot has been written about your experience with one of your sons, Sean, and his opioid abuse, which led to his incarceration and you having to deal with that as a parent. And uh, certainly I, I credit you for being so open about that, so honest. And I know it's really going to continue to help people. So often when we run into those things in our lives, they can seem so big and so daunting at the time until we learn to stretch ourselves to handle it. How has that situation and dealing with it in any way made you a better person? And how are you better as you try to come through the other side of that as a parent? Yeah, we could have a long podcast on this, John. I, I know that, you know, I've become very passionate about the opioid uh, crisis around the country. Um, my twin boys went off to college and moved away four miles from us in Bloomington and and uh, lived on campus at IU their freshman year. And I knew that my son, um, Sean, was starting to experience, uh, experiment with a little bit with alcohol a little bit with uh, maybe an occasional, uh, you know, marijuana um, situation during his senior year in high school. But, you know, like tried to educate him, didn't think much of it. But um, what ended up happening his freshman year in college is he found prescription drugs. And he was a he's a, a guy that is, you know, someone that could sit around the fire pit in the back of the house and just chill um, out there by the fire pit all night and uh, unfortunately um, found um, a substance that allowed him to find this chill state. And uh, that led him down the road to ultimately make a, uh, a poor choice and in which he robbed a convenience store, was shot in the head by a police officer exiting uh, the convenience store, thankfully survived. But has been incarcerated since. And even the judge who sentenced him in Indiana realized that he would not uh, probably have committed a crime if he wasn't addicted to um, prescription meds. Uh, The irony is I come from a pharmaceutical family, uh, a father that 
you know, had, we've had a very comfortable life because of him running and operating his own hometown pharmacy that for years fought off the major chains around the country. So the irony in my life that I've lived a very comfortable life, um, never needed or wanted for anything because of my father's successful um, business in pharmaceuticals, um, all, all, you know, has changed my life with my son in the pharmaceutical um, dependency. But, uh, you know, what, what has really changed, John, is that every single night I talk to my son uh, uh, from uh, prison, um, it doesn't matter if I'm in the middle of a film session. It doesn't matter if I'm in the middle of a late staff meeting. There's nothing more important than the conversations with my son every single night, encouraging him, um, talking about accountability, talking about his second chance. Um, and I can't wait. I, I'm, I'm passionate to be alive when he gets his second chance and, uh, and be there for him and look forward to that more than anything ever. And, uh, you know, I, I question at times that my life was always connected to my work success and that I'm a grinder working 12 to 16 hours a day, seven days a week is normal for me. Uh, but now um, I realize there's nothing more important than my son and uh, helping him through this um, journey of his and uh, that I can walk away from an extra film or, um, you know, one more conversation uh, with my coaching staff. Um, and so it's put perspective. Uh, which I didn't have for a long, long time, certainly didn't have at the collegiate level uh, for the 24 years. And uh, um, it, it's now given me a great, a great perspective on life and helped me that way for sure. Well, thank you, Coach Miller, for your story. And I'll certainly link people up with some great articles that have been written uh, about your son and, and your career that I know are really going to help people. And I appreciate you being so open and honest uh, transparent with those uh, very private areas of your life. And we wish you the very best as you go into an incredibly important time of the regular season for you and the sun. Good luck the rest of the way. Thanks, John. We need a few things to go our way and uh, look forward to the challenges down the stretch. There he is. That is Kurt Miller, the head coach of the Connecticut Sun here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Really appreciate his time on this a little bit early edition of the Her Hoop Stats podcast. We will have another one well, not next week, but the week after. I don't know how it's going to work. So basically, Labor Day. Labor Day is the next official Her Hoop Stats podcast release day, unless I decide to put it out early, which is entirely my prerogative. Make sure to listen to us anywhere that you find your podcasts, including Radio.com, which we just added, and we've got all the conventional ones as well. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, rate and review us. We covet your rates and reviews it helps other people find the podcast. You can email us to podcast at herhoopstats.com. That's podcast at herhoopstats.com. Give us requests for the people you'd like to hear on the podcast, and that will certainly help us go in the right direction, too. But we appreciate your support. We're having a lot of fun doing this each and every week. The announcer on the Her Hoop Stats podcast is Susie Solis. Our music by Jared Deck, jareddeckmusic.com. And the executive producer on the Her Hoop Stats podcast is Aaron Barzilai. I'm your host, John Little, reminding you until next time that at the Her Hoop Stats podcast, we are unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats. Her Hoop Stats.